You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Welcome to episode 20 of Storyteller Conclave. This is a show all about helping you run your best tabletop role-playing game that you can. Whether you're a new storyteller or dungeon master learning the craft or an experienced storyteller looking to take your game to the next level. I am Sarah. And I am Rob. We have no direct updates, or at least nothing anybody ever wants to hear about, except for the fact that we love our patron people. Yep, they're doing great. We've gotten some new people added to our channel as well, and we are happy to have you join us. Thank you so much for believing in us and supporting the show. Yeah, tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell those aliens that we don't know about and probably shouldn't be discussing on open mics. (laughs) I don't don't know what you're talking about. That's right. I'm totally confused. Okay, so we have this show. You know, before the, we get started, yeah. Before we get started, oh, you want to drop that? Yeah, do it. Oh, I, I have to. It's I have to. Okay, because like there was there was a little spiciness that happened spiciness. earlier today. Yeah, are we gonna call this the the podcast Detroit five minutes? Yeah, <laughs> you know, I, well, there was. Yeah, uh, I I think we we need to openly state our support and love for for Kate. Yes, Kate. our our sound engineer. We do because uh, so I was earlier today. I was listening to one of the other shows that was this live. Podcast. No, no, no. It was one of their older episodes. It was from uh, from uh, um, like the middle of August. Okay, or so. so this is like deep salt for us. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We're 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 this is a thread necromancy. Oh, all right, yeah. okay, fair. <laughs> uh, so uh, yeah, I was listening to one of the other shows that that records here at Podcast Detroit. Uh, Reasons why I'm single. Uh, a couple of delightful ladies, and they they I mean, share it's a good their. Show. It's a really good show. Honestly, I'm I'm enjoying the hell out of it. But they're fun girls. Lo and behold, if they didn't chuck you right under the bus, like Kate, right under the bus, they're 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 talking about you know breakups and such like that, and somebody says, oh, like you know our old sound engineer who got engaged and then dumped us. Dumped what was her up. name? And in unison, they both go, Kate. Kate. Okay, I would like to clear up my <laughs> side of the story. We will give you a few minutes. Here I'd of like our to time. establish that they left me <gasps> first. Those they hussies. changed their days and they chose to come in on a day when they know I physically can't be here. Well, well, well. So I would how like to say the turntables. I am so sad that we had to part ways like this, but let's not point fingers, ladies. We no. will not point fingers. Not <laughs> you're, today. you're all lovely. Well, I'm I mean, glad we could square that away. At least we got you in the divorce. So That's right. I'm, right. I'm fine. At least, we got, at least yeah. we got you in the divorce. Now you That's guys right. get me. That's right. That's right. We totally get you, girl. All right, and we will take you and keep you here with us in this storyteller conclave. We Thank appreciate you. you. All right, so that that out of the way, that yes. that cleared up. Our five minutes set to the side. <laughs> with that being said, uh, we had an idea of what this show was going to be, and then it changed. Now, well, it, I'm not going to say it, that it's it not. It didn't change. It narrowed. I will agree with that. I will agree with that. <laughs> so originally we had this beautiful idea that we were going to go right into what – of the of the world scope and we were going to go talk about cosmology and supernatural and oddities mm-hmm. and you know and gods and things like that and we started with gods and really didn't and get then beyond gods eight paragraphs later we're like oh this is this is a this is a whole show yeah. and we haven't even strayed into uh, yeah other story elements so it's... so we're gonna we're gonna take this what section a little slower than we thought we were going to and hopefully I don't know, give you guys a little bit more flavor. 
Yeah. Um, because I personally discovered a few things along the way of even doing research for this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because um, much as you guys don't realize this, we do a fair amount of research before these shows. It's not just we pop off stuff. We want to be like educated. We want to give you guys as much tools. Mm-hmm. We go back to old stuff that we have. We watch that. Sometimes we pass links between each other, which we will be sharing with you again today. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. No, Rob, Rob is great at that too because like he just hits me in the middle of Monday afternoon. And he's just like, oh, by the way, here's a playlist I put together for you of YouTube <laughs> videos. So, it's true. you know, when, when you get 45 minutes to kill, just watch this stuff. That's right. Strangely enough, she does get that kind of time. So, um, but I'm going to kind of preface this with a quote from uh, one of the YouTube videos that we watched um, that we shared back and forth and talked a lot about because I thought it was an amazing video. And I think the guy had some of the most um, conclusive uh, data sets. When it when it comes to putting this together and and, and ideas and and it was really well documented. I yeah, think it was really well yeah, put together. Absolutely. But he said, and I quote, "Religion is complicated," <laughs> and <laughs> I think <laughs> it's true. It's true um, because it is, and it's way more complicated than uh, than you can imagine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he does a good job in his video. And, and Sarah was like, "Why don't we just give him the link and tell him our show's over? And right, just go with that." And I said, like, "That's that's a little Kate, rude." Kate, just roll this YouTube video. Yeah, yeah, we're just gonna go. We're, we're gonna, gonna sit over here for a little while. Or we may pause know? from time to time. Right. Or well, someone... I feel like you're a teacher taking like a lazy day. Like, yeah, oh, we're just gonna watch this movie, guys. Right, right, right. It's, it's when you come into class <laughs> and you see the, the 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 TV that's strapped to the rolling cart, and you're like, "Yes, video oh, day, VCR, and all." One one of these times, we are gonna do substitute Kate. It will be a show. It'll be substitute Kate. It'll oh, that'll be, be great. It'll be fun. Literally, it'll just be you playing like random things that we send you. <laughs> so, <laughs> but let's get into some meat and potatoes and actually talk about this. Okay. So, um, I kind of want to start at a weird angle because I, I put these in an odd order when I originally sent you the list. Uh-huh. And because I was trying to figure out a good way to kind of break down the discussion a little bit mm-hmm. and then we can go broad. Um, but one of the big things that I thought of when talking about gods in general is belief styles. Mm-hmm. And the big one that kind of hit me square in the head because I'd never really put a lot of thought to it was Eastern versus Western belief styles. And I never I, – I, I guess I, I knew about it, but oh, I yeah, never really yeah. thought about it in that sense. And that is is that Eastern belief styles tend to have large, powerful gods or god um, – who impress their wills upon the world. Mm-hmm. And I mean, this is, you know, big G God. This is, you know, a pantheon. This is, you know, uh, you know, Thor and his might. Those types of things are big G gods. Right. You know? Where those gods are in there and they are interacting possibly Correct. on a personal level, but definitely on a world changing level. Yeah. Whether or not the humans are pawns. Or whether or not, you know, the creatures of the world are pawns or whether or not they're even – they're just under their feet, mm-hmm. you know, while they're doing their shit in the pantheon right, and we're right. being affected by it, you know. Um, and well, then, like the Greek and Roman pantheons are like this too. Yeah. They're constantly meddling with the mortals and whatnot. Yeah. Um, the Elder Scrolls gods are very much like that. Or at yeah. least the Daedra are. Yeah, very much so. Um, because they're always, they're always constantly – Right. And then you have this Western – belief style which mm-hmm. is more of a collection of spirits or otherworldly travelers or forces mm-hmm. that may not even be fully sentient they mm-hmm. don't directly interact with society or they do in such a way that they don't there it's not an inference it's not something that's direct you sure. can't say like this person came and lit this 
you know, whole county on fire or whatever. It's more like this force came in, the tsunami, yep. and wiped out this group. And it, it happened because it's a tsunami energy. It's, right. Or the right. river god. Because that's you know? what it does. Right. Yeah. I mean, um, if you've seen Princess Mononoke, mm-hmm. um, the gods in that are very much just forces that are being actually manipulated by the people more than anything else. And they're not even fully sentient. Like they're they're kind of just there. And that makes for a very different God culture. So one of the things that I wanted to kind of talk about a little bit, you know, at least in a framework sense, before we got into the depth of things, is keeping that in your head is are your gods Eastern or Western philosophy mm-hmm. in that sense? You know, and I I still kind of put uh, the force in more of a Western philosophy uh, because it is a collection of energy like the the Star Wars force, mm-hmm. you know, because it's not a thing. It's not impressing its will. It is just there. Uh, you mean you mean Eastern? Uh, Western in the sense that it's not direct on people. No, no, that's Eastern. My brain just flipped. You I did cut them backwards. It. I did do that backwards. <laughs> wow. Well, do, this is why it's a we live say, show. not as we do. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> So and then to balance that we have the whole poly and monotheistic yep. belief set. Yep. And again, you I mean if if you've done any religious studies up to this point, which some of our listeners may not have, mm-hmm. um, you know, monotheism is a single god. Uh, you know, but they sometimes will do things to be a little poly in the sense that they might have saints sure. or demigods sitting underneath them that are more directly interacting. Mm-hmm. With society, but they tend to have a single point that spreads down from that point, and the top of the point is very powerful. Right, right. Or, or um, kind of like I was uh, our, our discussion at uh, over dinner, uh, mm-hmm. you know, took place like the tribunal uh, yep. for for fans of the Elder Scrolls series, uh, Marwyn's tribunal uh, that rules over the Dunmer. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would actually rank them as monotheistic because even yeah. though there's three of them, they work together in concert and are. Uh, acknowledged as a single entity, mm-hmm. as the tribunal. Like you, you don't really acknowledge one over another, right? You know, and then you have your polytheism, which is you know kind of a sprinkling of gods that don't have a concerted force, right? And you know? typically, typically your polytheistic uh, outlooks are are going to be bro- you're going to break things down into different bailiwicks, different realms of influence. Um, and there will be something that will that will define each god in their own realm of influence, mm-hmm. um, so that you don't just have a bunch of random all powerful beings, right? But you'll have maybe a god of rivers and a god of skies, or you know whatever, right? They they can really be of anything, but typically you're going to divide and conquer on that, right? And we'll get more into the polytheism and mm-hmm. the breakdown because there's some interesting caveats that um, that I've noted that made more sense to me and why. Uh, and how it applies to like fifth edition in particular and some of the other game systems is how that breaks down and and what it what it can mean. Um, so I think that we've got those as a good base to start from, I would say, is that if you're going to start with a religion and you're going to talk to – you're going to have it frameworked out, I think you need to have that belief style and whether it's mono or poly. Mm-hmm. And I think there are some rules that you can put together in your own head of of how you want to handle that. But I think one of the things that you're talking about is how society sees that. Mm-hmm. And that's really where we're going to get into the meat and potatoes of creating yeah. uh, or at least breaking down things that were created um, and dealing with those gods. Um, you know, and keep in mind, like we discussed last episode too, you know, how society sees your gods right. is not the same as what your gods are. Right. 
um, you know, your 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 mortals scrambling for favor or whatever they're doing down there are going to do completely different things than maybe what your gods actually even want them to be doing. Right. So. Yeah. I mean, um, and this is where uh, my wonderful show sheet here that has all bunch of crazy stuff mm-hmm. is going to start going crazy for us. Oh yeah. Um, and yeah, that yeah. is is that. In, in going what Sarah was saying is that your view of a god is a very small pinprick of what they are. Mm-hmm. And that when I say your view, I'm talking about the creatures of the world that are f- the followers, if you will. They are seeing a single point. So a lot of times you get these these false images like, for instance, Poseidon is known as the god of the sea. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's not true. He's not – the god of water and the sea and things like that. I mean, it is his domain. Yeah, but it's that, stuff he does. It's it, it's within his bailiwick of stuff he does. But that that doesn't make him like locked to it at mm-hmm. all. He was literally just said, "Here's your sea. This is." I mean, it's no different than like, "There's your hill. Everything from that hill to the next hill is your hill." Are you the god of hills? No, you're the god of that hill. Are you a, are you a Breton? Exactly. <laughs> Well played. Well we bring played. it right back around. That's right. So I, I think a lot of times uh, as storytellers, we get under the framework of – we get beyond the framework of what just the character sees and that's what we have to know in the background. What are their yeah. – who are they really? Yeah. I mean, yes. Are they a Baylor of the deep? Great. So they're a god of whips and fire. No, that's just literally what people see them as. Mm-hmm. In truth, they have a lot more power. They have a lot more base. They're beholden to certain individuals and they have certain people who are their minions. Mm-hmm. And and that's literally how that game plays out. But not all of that is visible at all times. And, and when I say at all times, I mean throughout history. Mm-hmm. Um, so before, without getting into the, the historical part of when, um, we just have to remember that at certain points in history, certain events occur, and we have to think about how that is being affected by our god or gods, uh, or if they, it affects them at all. Um, so remember that your, your society has a viewpoint, mm-hmm. and it's going to be different. Um, and sometimes you want to almost do that last. Um, because yeah. you have to have. Yeah. I mean, we are you we should, are good you about being decide what your gods really are. Yeah, before you decide through what lens they're interpreted. And again, we're coming at this from the fact that you want to create a god set. Sure. If you were building a world, you've got a story, you got all the stuff, and you just say one of my characters is religious, and you go, "Shit, now I have to create a god." You don't. You don't. I'm going to straight out say you don't. You don't. You can literally say this is what he sees and this is how it reacts. And as long as you know behind the scenes what your rule set is for that god, you're fine. Mm-hmm. I mean they could literally do nothing and all that could just be fate. Yeah. Exactly. And that's that's literally works just like that. They're really good at magic because they wave their hands. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever. But if you're going at this with I need to create a world and one of those things that is very important to me in this world is gods, that's the direction we're coming from. Right, 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 right. So, yeah, don't write more. Write less, but write what you need to do your story. So back to gods. All right. So um, I'm going to go to my simple start. Okay. And see where we go from there. Okay. So where did we come from? And when I say we, I'm talking about the people, the followers. That is a typical story that comes out of almost every group. So when you're thinking about a god, was the god involved in their creation mm-hmm. or is the god just above them? Are they ants that were already there and they just – now the god notices them? 
Mm-hmm. And that's that's a huge thing you have to ask yourself. Because if the god wasn't interacting with them until they were like, oh, by the way, we recognize you. And the the, the guy looks down and is like, oh, my God, are those ants? Did they just say my name? That's a that's a, it's a very Lovecraftian outlook. Yeah, to to have these these uh, disinterested, dispassionate, um, godlike beings mm-hmm. that only take notice of us because we we evoke their names, and then yeah. only then do we bring down their true and terrible power. You know, right, sort of right. Thing. Um, but but I mean, Love, Lovecraftian or not, those are those are absolutely still deific figures. Correct. You know, Azathoth, Cthulhu, Yogg-Sothoth, You know. Yeah. So keep saying them; they'll show up. I'm sure. Is this pronounced Haster, 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 or Haster, Haster, Haster? Uh, I think there's an umlaut <laughs> somewhere in there. At least there probably will be. Um, so keeping in mind that again, you you have to have what style they are. I mean, if it's just a force, it's always been there. Mm-hmm. It'll probably always be there, and it's irrelevant to believe that they have a direct tie to it in some way. They may believe it, but otherwise, it's just there. Sure. So did they get created by it? Were they already there and now they're coming from something else? Mm-hmm. Is it, you know, what is the world? Another question that often gets asked in religion is why are they here? And I mean that by the people. They're asking that to the God. Mm-hmm. You know, so, why am I here? Well, yeah, why are, why are we here? Right. And the real answer to that is because you're faithful in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Like I – I give favor to those who are faithful. Sometimes it's just a matter of you're there. For instance, in a world where the god is a is an embodiment of justice and following the rule of law regardless of if it's good or wrong, mm-hmm. you know, that makes a difference for that god. So their followers are anyone who is following the law, whether they are vigilante justice, whether they are you know, clinical police justice or or judges themselves. I mean, Dredd follows the law. Yep. I assure you he murders lots of people and makes judgment determinations all the time. But I'm sure the God of Justice thinks that's the bomb. <laughs> you know? He is the Exactly. Exactly. So the why has to come in there mm-hmm. in direction to the God. So always keep kind of that thing and then the one thing that always gets asked and i think this is neat uh and because sometimes there isn't a good answer for it is what happens when they die yeah like when your follower dies do they end up with the god i i can say that if i was like i don't know some omnipresent thing that was being worshipped would i really want all of my followers sitting at my feet and you know when when wanting more especially if you're in a polytheistic religion yeah what you know what defines a, a follower Correct. I mean, what if I worship, you know, seven different gods? Right. Which one do I go to? Correct. You know? Correct. Um, or, or is there just kind of a collective? You know, it, there's, or there's is a, it just a story? Or yeah, or is there actually the concept of the soul in mm-hmm. your, you know, that 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 in in the sense that it has a connection to the divine? Right. You know, in in your uh, in your setting, you know, maybe maybe your gods don't have anything we could conceive of as a heaven or hell. Right. Maybe there is no afterlife. You know, but these are questions that you do need to yeah. kind of address because eventually someone's gonna die. Yeah. You know, and whether it's one of your characters or whether it's just part of your history. Yep. You know, 
Did, what did, now? Did you write all of the character sheets up on flash paper so that at that advent you can just light <laughs> it and watch it go right away? New idea. New idea, by yep. the way. So our next yeah. game, you're gonna, I'm going to have a little surprise for you. <laughs> if your character dies, <laughs> poof, character sheet's gone. So, I mean, and then you have to think about, like, is your is your god finite enough that they have a rule set? Like an actual defined rule set that they recognize, mm-hmm. meaning they recognize the difference between murder and self-defense or mm-hmm. they recognize the difference between, you know, good and evil, you know, because there's a root to it. Sure. You know, I, I think that gets kind of gray in some stories. Like I, I will honestly say you watch something like Buffy, mm-hmm. the TV series, and you go, there's a lot of gray in here. And yet they deal with gods and demons. Sure. Where's good and evil? And the answer is by the end of that, you don't know. Mm-hmm. It's really, really gray. So I yeah, think I mean, that you, can get... you start having to delve into a lot of philosophical questions, especially when you start doing that. And yeah. it's, it's worth it's worth giving at least a cursory thought to, mm-hmm. um, you know, do do you does do your gods or God uh, adhere to traditional views of good and evil? Mm-hmm. You know, are there things that, you know, we might that, that, that we might think fall on one side or the other of that spectrum that they don't? Yeah. You know, um, are there. Little uh, rituals and stuff like that that um, should or should not be observed. Right? Are there places you you cannot tread because it's sacred, or you know, foods you cannot eat because they are forbidden, right? Or uh, words that you must say, yeah, uh, because they are sacred. And how much of that is traditions that mm-hmm. have been laid down? Like you know, uh, Judaism did a good job of that mm-hmm. in creating traditions that kept people safe. Mm-hmm. You know, at the same time, we have uh, pagan rituals that have been wrapped into other faiths over years because that's how conversion occurred. Mm-hmm. And you've got things like Christmas, yeah, which is which is a set of traditions. But we're not still doing it for the same reasons. But are we? And that's where uh, it gets a little gray in what is a tradition that is done by the people versus what does the god recognize. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the good ones that I I thought was really interesting. Uh, was uh, in Terry Pratchett's Discworld, um, the Hog Father is a character. He's basically like a pig version of uh, Father Christmas. Mm-hmm. And he goes around and gives gifts and rides on this cart driven by war pigs, basically. Um, but he is being rubbed out of the universe. And Death recognizes that if he dies, that sets a really kind of bad thing. And how does one god die? And that made an interesting question when I was listening to some of these things was that um, sometimes it isn't described the power of a god. The I, I think the term is monothea, uh, where does your god live and die by their followers? Mm-hmm. Is it based upon the power in society, you know, or by the strength and fervorance of the follower, followers? You know, can another god usurp and take their mantle? You know, yeah. these are these are hard questions. Uh, but in the case of him, basically, if he were to have perished, you know, something else would be lost. And that was is that really he didn't represent Christmas so much as he represented wonder. Mm-hmm. And that's something that's kind of intangible. You can't – it's not something that any of us can fathom or quantify or, you know, grind out of a human's body. Yeah. You know, there's no there's no wonder that's going to be left over. So if he dies, we lose wonder. And like, well, what does that mean? Does the sun doesn't rise? And of course, a giant flaming ball rises, you know. Okay, well, isn't that the sun? No, that's the name that was given to it by the people who 
wondered, wondered about what it, it was. Yep. And that's the key that was to that. And I thought that was a beautiful way of putting it. But I think it adds a lot of credence to what happens when a god dissipates or leaves or mm-hmm. is no longer important. They, um, they could p- quite possibly take their bailiwick with them. Correct. Yeah. You know, or do you have something like Forgotten Realms where they're replaced? Yeah. yeah. There, there are no such things as vacuums. Right. You know, oh, I'm sorry. The goddess of magic is gone. Oh, look at you. You look like you're a good one. Okay. First off, <laughs> Helm did what was right. Okay. I will I will die on that hill. Okay. That's and your hill. Mr. Had it coming. <laughs> And and but but you saw repercussions to that in one hundred percent. You saw you know there was uh, what the spell plague I think it was called. Uh, I believe so. Uh, I'm sure I'm sure my boyfriend is at home right now furiously you know what? typing. Uh, and, somebody will furiously type us at some point tonight. Uh, yeah, so. hit me up in live show chat if if, yeah. if if you remember what it is, just so yeah. I can get that right on the record. Um, but uh, but yeah, you know, but but you saw that you know, uh, Helm, the god of the god of uh, of, of protection, uh, you know, uh, destroyed the goddess of of uh, of magic, Mistra. Yes. And suddenly all the magic in the world went freaking bonkers. Sideways at least. Effing bananas. Yeah. And uh you know, until the mythal? is that no, mythals were the I know mythals were involved. My brain is totally lost. I'm literally waiting for Overwatch to slam us with a whole list of shit here. So uh, <laughs> fire, fire all of his mythals at exactly. you. Exactly, <laughs> all mythals will be fired. <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, but but you did see you did see hard repercussions of that yeah. because because nobody was tending that bailiwick of magic, right? You know, so it's it's a good example of what what things could happen. And also, know? that's not a bad way to. Adapt, uh, adapt a story. Oh, here it comes. Overwatch says spell plague is correct. Awesome. Uh, but that was when Mistra was assassinated by Shar oh. and Sarek. Oh, Sarek. Okay. That okay, makes sense. Okay, thank okay, you, sir. Okay, okay. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so, but that also is a really good storytelling tool. I mean, if you've gotten yourself, and we've all done it, put ourselves into a storyline where this is how things are going. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, oh, no, my characters are doing weird things and i don't want it to go that direction there is no reason why a god can't have a problem sure and sure. suddenly the world shifts because uh, of it i'm reminded of uh pierce anthony's uh incarnations of immortality series okay uh, the very first book is called uh, on a pale horse it's about the, the incarnation of death oh and it opens with the main character uh, uh he was uh, at a very low point in his life he was about to take his own life he had the mm-hmm. gun to his head and in the very last instant when death stepped in to seize his soul uh he had a second thought after looking upon the face of the face of death and shot death instead and got him and got him hmm. uh cuz death had gotten sloppy and uh was not fully protected at the time mm-hmm. and uh and took his life and uh so then he had to step into the mantle and learn how to be death and uh, of course, you know, like any other mortal, he was very, uh, you know, not very into taking the souls of the living, you know, because he didn't want to hurt anybody. Right, right. What he didn't realize is that while he was, while he was not doing his job, people were suffering but not dying. Right. And he understood very quickly that it is a necessary function in the universe and started doing his thing. But sure, you know, if death, if death isn't willing to step up and do his job. What happens? Right. People don't die. Okay. <laughs> what does that mean for your world, you know? Yeah. And that and that again, when you have shifts like that, it can cause other things as well, besides the rippling effect of just magic itself, but mm-hmm. also deviations within the followers. Yep. Now that obviously can happen based on a couple of things and you know, uh, geography, how old the faith is, how many follows there are, can all determine on whether or not there is a 
uh, a good framework for change. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, if you've only got a few small devote followers, there's not going to be much dissension between them, and a dissension probably will be either murdered or silenced. You know, whereas if you have a giant map of people spread out across the globe, you know, with with this same monotheistic belief. Mm-hmm. They're probably going to have some different feelings over time. Yeah. You know, you're going to get Protestants, Mm -hmm. you know, who are saying this isn't the way I read this scripture or how I interpreted this action or saw this God. I mean, we saw that in 7C with the different prophets. Each Uh prophet had a different approach. And by the time we got to the third and fourth, you know, the third prophet, they were like, wait a second. You know, I don't understand why this guy's even talking like this. Mm -hmm. And so you had. People who protested it, and it created a, a a deep divide within the world. But then there was a lot of time that spanned over that, but not a ton, I would say. Mm-hmm. You know, in in game terms, I would say, and in world terms in general. So, I think when you talk about that deviation, the bigger and longer your faiths have been around, I think the more deviation can occur. Oh, absolutely. The way people absolutely. See it. Uh, the, the the more minds you've got, you know, dealing in your religion. Uh, the more mouths you've got talking about your religion, the more different ideas you're going to be you're going to be hearing from it. Right. Except you threw one more thing in here at me, and I thought it was really cool, which is immortals. And I think they press into this oh, concept yeah. of where gods and people are, and how immortals see themselves differently. And I think that's really well, cool. Yeah, I mean, I I was using more immortals uh, to to kind of catch all phrase of like what we may refer to as deities or gods or anything like that. But I um, think to a degree, you've got that step in between. I would say mortals, yeah, yeah, immortals, demigods, and gods. And I think we see that immortals are sometimes gods, mm-hmm. and sometimes they're not, sure. and sometimes they ascend. Well, when you when you transcend life and death, you know there's a, a lot of the motivations and a lot of the, uh, um, uh, mo- yeah, mo- really motivations uh, that that we go about in our daily mortal lives. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, if if you were not constrained by death, think of how everything you do in your life would change. You know, watch play any game of Borderlands. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I mean, you're not constrained by death, only money. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's sad to say it, but you're a god in that game. Uh, but uh, it's it's I, I put that in there more uh, to discuss just just the fact that they operate on on a different level of reality than us. Correct. Um, immortal on up through deity. Mm-hmm. Um, they exist above our conception of reality. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of stuff you write about them doesn't have to make sense. In fact, I would say it probably makes better world building if it makes no sense at all. Um, and you can you can read a lot of stuff about, uh, say, like Greek myths and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, Greek myths are a great place to uh, to look into how a polytheistic religion that is just completely insane in a lot of ways. Happens. Oh, and power hungry, and power hungry, and yeah. they're all. I mean, you know, uh, gods birthing other gods and interacting with mortals and turning them into weird creatures because they looked at them cross-eyed or – And then fighting with each other. Yeah. But no death per se, maybe transformation. Right, right. And so what we have to understand is that sure, there may – there it, this, this may sound like Olympus 90210. But, which it can be. Which which it really can be. It sounds like a big soap opera, uh, you know, re- real gods of Olympus. Um, but at the same time, you have to understand that a lot of what we are being 
what we're trying to conceive of as mortals is um, happening on a much broader, much higher, much metaphysical level than we can conceive. Mm-hmm. Um, we as mortals will take uh, things and put them in little boxes so that we can understand them. Almost make it geometric in the sense that we can note all angles. We know what it looks like. We can touch it. We can sense it. It is part of our world. Right. It is finite. Right. For all terms. So we're going to stick labels on things mm-hmm. and then that label is going to get passed down through oral tradition to other people and pretty soon it, you know, this god ate the other god. Well, that's not really what happened. I mean, they kind of consumed the god's essence, but yeah, sure, I guess eight is an okay word for it. Exactly. And it, it brings to mind like a, a story of uh, – like from the Elder Scrolls series mm-hmm. um, of the god Trinimac, uh, right. if anybody knows that. He was one of the uh, uh, one of the, the Atata, um, which were before they split into the Adra and Daedra, but I digress. Um, and he was kind of a warrior god. Uh, but there was this other god that was kind of the god of conquest named Boethia uh, who basically decided to take him down a peg mm-hmm. uh, and uh, conquered him. Uh, bested him in battle and, as the story goes, ate him. Consumed him. Like literally swallowed him whole. Yeah. Kind of. But in other stories, like she, she, you know, was just wearing his skin or something. But like, again, these are conceptions of what really happened. I'm sure on a metaphysical level, that's not really what happened. Right. Then she wore his face and appeared to his followers. Right. So there was a power transfer. There was a power transfer. If you will. She was then able to masquerade herself through dreams and portents right. as Trinimac and spread lies amongst his clergy. Mm-hmm. And uh, kind of in her big reveal to kind of dunk on Trinimac for one and all, um, she then essentially tore off her Trinimac mask and said, ha, it was me the whole time. But again, what are these things happening on a mortal level? You know, right. that then uh, the, the real kicker to the story is then most most stories say that she excreted Trinimac, right. literally shat him out. <laughs> Um, <laughs> she was done with what she had chewed on. Right. But again, what is really happening there? Right. Um, and then the god that came out the other side was changed and became the god of vengeance, Malakath. Right. So, you know, again, what what is we we know what what stories mortals tell about it. Right. What truly happened there? You right. Know? Um, I'm I'm sure Boethia didn't really kill and eat Trinimac and then no. poop out Malakath. No. She know? she took the mantle. And took the power mm-hmm. and then at the end was just like, I'm done with this game. I've conquered it. I am done here. And what came out the other side after it was a broken version of the original exactly, because it was spent and it became something different, which then created vengeance. And that – I mean that makes sense that you have this transformation mm-hmm. of something that is divine in order, conquest. Mm-hmm. It is a divine thing. Conquest over battle – creates envy and and an and an anger if mm-hmm. you will which is where vengeance comes from yep so it, in a storytelling sense you're basically teaching someone that if you are a bully to someone else you may create a wrathful monster on the other side yeah correct so it's a beautiful story in the telling on the other side but at the same time it's simplistic and symbolistic yep. you know and has a symbolism that puts forth this image that's mm-hmm. simple, you know, wrapped in this weird kind of storytelling. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Of its own. So, you know, don't don't be afraid to, you know, write some real soap opera stories for your gods. Yeah. Because honestly, they make for real cool storytelling yeah. like that. So to bring it 
down from there because we've talked about the gods. If you're going to create a universe, do it, mm-hmm. but have some decent framework. Those are some guidelines that we found really good. Again, well, I'm going to put out a link that kind of talks about uh, – that gives that – a re- I mean if you want to go into deep dive, this guy's going crazy. Oh, he really has. But it it's was, beautiful. It it's great. really well done. But down from that is why are there gods? Mm-hmm. What really drove your people to dictate? Now, a lot of times it's dictated by their living conditions. You know, I pray to the god of water and because – or rain clouds because I live in a desert, and if it doesn't rain, people die. I die. Well, I think I think on on top of that, actually, you really have to you have to think about cause and effect there, right? I mean, why are there gods? Are there gods because people prayed to the river and the river became a god because enough people were praying to it? Sure. Or was there legitimately a god of the river, and people understood that exactly. and prayed to it because they found it? Exactly. And because the river provided for them, they now worship go. it. And that's – I think that's where you can you can dictate that line of where your start point is. Mm-hmm. That if you're, if you're one of those people who like creating the map first and creating your little towns and your villages and saying, OK, what do I know about this village? Well, it's right next to a river that comes out of the mountains. Does it flood ever? Do those people know why it floods? How long have they maybe prayed that it wouldn't? Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times your society can shape their view of a god. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a reason why something's called a volcano. We have that word because – Of the god Vulcan. Correct. Yep. Now, was Vulcan created before they had their first volcanic eruption? Was it a term and then someone's like, oh, look at how angry that thing is. That's got to be a god. Mm-hmm. You know, that sound, that thunder – that that comes into question, and I think that itself helps you determine what you have. Um, you know, economic decline, famine, poverty, uh, you know, mass death, uh, you know, earthquakes, things like this are great for early creatures to make determinations um, from that perspective on what a god might be or mm-hmm. what's going on. We believe that the thunder in the heavens is the gods fighting. Mm-hmm. And and the lightning that comes down are the mist strikes that Thor or or you know Odin the Orfather was throwing around you know because he was in Valhalla fighting and these mm-hmm. are the things we're seeing now you know whereas on the other hand you might see the meme where you see the five lightning bolts hitting the water and you say it hated all those fish in that one dude you know <laughs> so it's it's all about perception. And so if you're going to go from the perception angle of my people create my gods, start taking a look at what affects your society. Mm-hmm. What do they have on it? What do they hold value in? Right. Yep. And, and and what are their lifelines to survival? Because that's the first thing you're going to pray to. Exactly. If you live along a river and your entire livelihood comes from that river flooding and fertilizing your crops and providing fish in the off season, mm-hmm. then you damn well better believe that that river is their god. And there's going to be a strong name for the river and for the river god. Mm-hmm. Sometimes if, part and parcel. And, and you know, kind of like we discussed before, sometimes it doesn't come out of favor, but it comes out of fear. You know, yeah. so if they're, say, desert people, the sun is the thing that kills you. Yeah. And so the sun very well might become God for those for those nomadic people, you know. And in the evening, it's the thing you wish would come back up because it's so damn cold. Yep. So now all of that is great, but how do you express that in game? 
How do you express your gods to your players? Now, a lot of times there's some heavy-handed narrative exposition that can be given out. Yeah. Um, you know, I've seen people write, you know, literally multi-page novels on what the history of their gods are in great detail. But not really, important. It's, not important. It, unless they're lore masters and they know a lot of the details that society has brought forth, they really don't know how those gods were created. They're so just stories. The big rule in storytelling is show me, don't tell me. Right. And so what you want to do is religion is something that is ingrained in yes. society. OK. Yeah. So kind of like we discussed in our last episode, um, your gods are going to be – the influence of your gods are largely going to be expressed in your storytelling, in your world building through um, the society that worships them. Yes. Uh, so what you're going to look for is, um, you know, do they do they pray to the god of the harvest? Just a just a short little thank you, god of the harvest, for the for the for the food we're about to eat. Mm -hmm. Do they pray to you know the god the, the the sun god when it rises in the morning? Again, just as they're brushing their teeth and taking a shower or whatever, yep. do they look up and say thank you for shining down upon us today or something? Or you know. does or is it required that every Thursday everyone goes to mass who is mm -hmm. not one of these classes, mm -hmm. you know, who have to work and if you are not there, you are shunned mm -hmm. unless you go to like the midnight one and repent. Yep. You know, and do you have to give alms as often as possible? Do you must you pay a tithing? You know, when you enter the city, do you have to be marked a certain way to to denote what favor you are in? Mm -hmm. You know, um those kind of things are are definitely a different uh, societal approach at that. Are there are there garments that you yeah. may that you may Vestments. wear or or not wear depending right. on your social status in relation to this uh, to this religion or yeah. um, you know or to to show uh, uh, deference mm -hmm. to that uh, to that faith or favor or favor yeah you know sometimes it's a matter of you know if I have a lot of gold I have favor. With mm -hmm. the gods because gold is only given out by certain money tellers in certain situations that are related to faith, you know, or because I'm from far away and I don't even have a clue about this god, do I not have any of those rules? Mm -hmm. Do I wander around kind of not caring because I don't understand your god? Your god means nothing to me. Mm -hmm. And that's a totally different way of looking at it, but it comes from a very alien perspective. Sure. So – the last thing that I want to – I kind of want to make sure that sticks in there is when you're dealing with a god that is that is direct, when there's a power that's involved and a gift, often it's an investment about – that is given into something to gain. So a person gives tithing or a person prays or a person uh, devotes or sacrifices or does mm -hmm. something to gain something back. Refrains from some sort of activity or right. – yeah. It, you have to – if you're going to create a give and take in that sense, remember a couple of things. Number one, gods can be anything. Mm -hmm. That power that they're gifting over, even if you're dealing with like a warlock situation, which I would say is godlike. Yeah, yeah. You know, it is not a demon is a form of a god. They're, they're, they're at least strong enough to to uh, grant power to an entity that venerates them. Correct. Yeah. So in that sense, those are the times when you need to set your own interpretational rules down so that you understand in a very simplistic form how the game is played mm -hmm. um, so that you have a definition when your player looks at you quizzically and says, 
Wait, what do you mean this isn't working this way? It's not working. Mm-hmm. And the reason in your head is because on Thursday they didn't do full prayer. That's yep. it. That's simple. They didn't do full prayer Thursday? Yep. They're off the list for you, a whole week. You haven't been wearing your red vestments. Yep. And it is the month of red. Yeah. So – Sorry. You failed. That was it. As far as your simple God rule. concerns, you've turned your back on him. That's right. Yep. He, literally because he can't see you. Mm-hmm. You know, he he's he's a rainbow colored lenses, and on if he doesn't see on this month red, he doesn't know that you're a follower. Yep, just a shitty situation. On the <laughs> other hand, that guy who's covered in blood and his robes are think he actually can see him, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, if under the right conditions, he might be able to throw a lightning bolt at you. That God is pouring favor upon him right now. That's right, and yeah. he just doesn't even hear it. So, take your time when you're thinking about your pantheon. Don't think that it's a requirement. I'm going to start that right off. In world building, it is not a requirement to create a pantheon mm-hmm. or to have your gods listed out in high detail. If your people don't venerate them in any way, they can literally just be something. Yeah, they're just background notes, you know, at that point. Where on the other hand, if you've got a NPC or even a PC who is a venerated follower of something, mm-hmm. now you have to start creating definitions. And the moment you get into creating definitions, you have to think about who are the followers? How are they following? Is it an old god? You have to yep. go through that list and kind of look back through what we've talked about and create that framework so that you're comfortable with being able to answer questions as that god, mm-hmm. if you will, and know what's going to happen if things change. Yep. So – we have a good 15 minutes for questions. We do. We actually have time for questions. We do. Almost. And we'll get we'll get back into more of the the supernatural stuff next week. Yeah, yeah. We we this is this is literally we just we this was such a big topic that we had to dedicate an entire episode to just yeah. just the divine. Yes. So we will be back to this topic mm-hmm. definitely, but we are going to hit some questions. Um <clears throat> I want to start out by saying that there's two questions we're skipping. Again, uh, Illy May, we will get back to your question. We've marked it. We're going to keep coming back. There is a whole history episode. Trust us. It is we on may, the list. We may even open that episode with this question. Yes. <laughs> and Mad Elf, you had some wonderful character class questions that I'm actually going to set those to the side because I think they fit along with something coming up that we're going to be discussing. Mm-hmm. So we will come back to it, but we'll be there. So I'm going to kind of jump around a little bit here on these questions. Um Beyond that. So stay with us on this. So uh, we're going to talk from Technologist's question, which is what happens to a cleric when their deity dies or is rendered inert? The same question of a warlock patron. I'm going to say this. There should be no difference in your mind on how those function because they're effectively the same thing. You're creating patronage to a god. How does that reaction work? And I think it depends on how you framed the god. Yeah, yeah, that really – the, the answer to that question is, I don't know, depends on your story. Does the deity die? Does Do they actually die? Or is it a placeholder, much like in Forgotten Realms, where somebody else is going to get inserted in there and right. then things are going to change? For for me, I think the real key to this question is from whence does their power come? Or I should say from whence does the player's power come? Right. OK. So uh, for instance, this actual – this question kind of came up in uh, in our tabletop game. Yes. Um, because uh, Rob's character mm-hmm. is the cleric of the group um, and worships the Adra mm-hmm. – uh, of uh, Mercy yep. Stendar. Yep. And uh, the Adra are very hands-off. They don't they, they don't talk to people generally. Mm-hmm. They don't really get involved in a lot of things. They're more of an um, energy. Yeah. Uh, Akatosh kind of gets involved sometimes at major points in history, but uh, that's literally it. 
Um, yeah. You don't really hear from the Aedra. Uh, I wouldn't even large. say he gets involved so much as he he sets like he sets a field. He sets the he's like, here's the rules. Yeah. Do something. Yeah. He answered Alessia's <laughs> prayer way back at like the beginning of the first era. But that's, yeah. that's literally it. And like, really no one's exactly sure how that was answered, but we know how, mm-hmm. what the end of it was. And so. it, there's a whole thing at the end of the fourth game, Oblivion, that takes place, but I'm not going to get into it. But anyways, And then there's the Dragon Ages, which we, we won't even get into those well, either. Well, so. that's, but that's not the Aedra. That's just yeah. dragons. Um, yes. <laughs> But anyways, uh, so the, the question was basically like uh, um, uh, your character did something that was uh, torturous. Yes. Not not even – Did not it, seem merciful at yeah, all. The opposite of mercy. Correct. You created pain. Yes, I did. Definitely um, did that. And, and did so deliberately. Oh, 100 percent. I uh, tortured those guys. And you did not feel bad about it. Not so, in the least. Um, it was uh, – I, I made the determination. Yes. Um, because I it did cross my mind of like, mm-hmm. okay, you are deliberately going against your your particular divine's powers here, uh, his 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 particular ballywick. You know, should I revoke your powers? And then mm-hmm. I thought about it, and my decision was no, I'm not going to because I don't think the Adra are involved enough to care as much as to revoke your powers. Right. But secondly. I came to the determination that your belief in the Aedra was actually the source of your power and not the divine himself because I don't believe the Aedra in this setting mm-hmm. can are powerful enough to extend that power. Right. It's your faith and you are the source of that the power yeah. to 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 draw that from your belief in these entities. So when we say that if a so, cleric has their deity die – I think you have to determine as the storyteller what happens to the cleric. Right. Is it, it are they disconnected because they are the the thing that they're believing in doesn't exist anymore? Right. Is it like losing your internet connection? Exactly. It's like, sorry, there's nothing there. Or was the real internet the friends you made along the way? Oh, that's so Jesus, you back in your wholesomeness. <laughs> so and then I would say the same thing for the warlock, without question. If yeah. the warlock's patron just dies, it's like, is there just a disconnected phone on the other end? Or is it a position? Does it get refilled by who's next? Like literally the warlock's patron, you know, the warlock is, you know, has its demon and literally the demon gets killed. The phone's disconnected. And when he goes, hey, you know, uh, Balgog, you know, where are you today? My my power's not working. And somebody, excuse me, were, are you talking to me? I was talking to Balgog. Uh, yeah, I killed him five minutes ago. Well, currently you're my god then. I don't have any deals with you. Too bad. You're here now. That, you know, that that feel when you accidentally stumble upon one of the plots in Critical Role. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I would say it really depends on, th- as a storyteller, your determination on how that power is being gifted to them. Yeah. I think my, my, my particular interpretation of how Warlock Pacts work, specifically with regards to 5th edition, mm-hmm. um, I would say the 5th edition thing is probably probably a lot closer to what you said. Like, right. Like – it, it, the phone, the phone absolutely would go dead. There is no warlock patron was actually me the whole time. Right. Thing. It is a deal between you and someone else. It's right. Not a matter of faith. It is a. I am directly channeling power to you. Mm-hmm. Your internet is cut. But I think you can switch internet providers. Now I will say this. I will say this. As a storyteller in a game setting, mm-hmm. I would, unless the players have an active hand involved in destroying a god. Like set things in motion and it takes time because obviously it's it's going to be something. If they make the active attempt to make that disconnect, sure. 
I mean, maybe the players are actively trying to get this guy's pack taken care mm-hmm. of and stumble across a way to kill that that demon. Sure. 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 It's gone. Powers are gone. Everything's gone. Yep. Why? They they did it. They did it in game. They made it happen. He's a dude with the sword now. On the yep. other hand, if you're talking about a bunch of gods and then you've gotten it written like in your story that this god is literally going to die and one of your players is a cleric of said god, you need I think that's to, a little yeah, terrible to do to them. Cuz you're you're literally just neutering their character. Exactly. With no no real recourse cuz yeah. like they they're not they're not involved in that decision at all. No. And that feels real bad. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. I think we've hammered that one along. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mad Elf, how do you handle death of a character? How do you handle the death of a major NPC when someone else close to the player or uh, or a notorious memory of the group? I left this one in there because it's talking about death in particular. Mm -hmm. And I think that when a character dies, I think a lot of storytellers will literally just like make up a new one. Let's get going, you know, and just walk away from it. Sure. I think it's up to the players to decide how they want to venerate that character. And what they want to do for maybe a memorial or something like that, I personally as a storyteller find it hard because I've invested a lot into those mm-hmm. characters as well as a storyteller. So it would be that. I think there's been some interesting NPC deaths in stories that I've read about where players have gotten so involved with an NPC that they see – they find the death of a uh, – of the NPC to be uh, – challenging for them yeah it's the uh it's the end of a story and now they're like what do i do there have uh there have been whole episodes of critical role that are just funerals yeah because either a pc died or an npc you know meaningful to them where they were just trying to figure out what to do yeah you know yeah um very real tears were shed at that table and i think that's that's something that you kind of need to prepare for is you know how how invested is your group in there i think there's a lot of out of character discussion that yeah. needs to take place of just you know oh hey i died it was a dungeon crawl whatever i guess i'll roll a new character and get back in well okay maybe you don't have to have a big talk there but yeah you know just just make sure yeah just check in with your players because we do get attached to these characters and it, it can be can be very impactful yeah um i'm gonna skip over overwatch's question about the consistency because i think we're gonna get to that more as we go through this world building, because there's a lot there. That's a con that is literally a conversation onto itself um, about their standouts and settings. Yeah. So the, the, the question is, when it comes to internal consistency, what do you look for in a setting? Uh, do you have any standouts that are your favorites or something in the Hall of Shame? I know I could spend more than five minutes having this discussion with you. I absolutely could. So too, I'm going to really all I want to I want to so, yeah. get to Knox's and I want to make sure we have a closing. So. Uh, and I'm gonna, and, ask, and I'm not gonna make any friends with my answers because I, I do have that. one of my hall of shame. That's fine. Uh, plot hooks: <laughs> building a world seems like a tough enough job, but other than cause and effect, are there any types of mechanisms that can be used to link parts of the world or the scenes of a story and better deliver your necessary information? I think this is a good question. It's it a was great. Question. It was a challenging one to try and figure out exactly how to frame this. Yeah, yeah. Um, with regards to like getting. I, I I think he's t- we're we're talking about plot hooks. So I, yes. I apologize, Knox, if we're not if we're not addressing the the question that you were trying to phrase to us. Um, I know there was some back and forth on the Discord about yeah. um, exactly what we were looking at here, but I I think we're talking about plot hooks and 
um, how to get the party to move from one to the other. And as as I understand your question is rather than um, cause and effect of like, okay, uh, this thing blew up, so go fix it. Right. You know. How do you how do you get the players to move around? How do you get scenes to change? How do you get your world to evolve around them and such like that? For me, it's NPC interaction. It can be blunt if it needs to be blunt. Mm-hmm. I think there's also like your your typical thing of like, hey, we're on the trail. You look off to your right and you see smoke from a fire. Mm-hmm. It's dark and black. If your players don't go investigate that, great. Yep. They make it to town. Town starts talking to them. Suddenly, you know, someone in town says, uh, you know, comes comes in rough and broken. And they're just like, you know, what happened to you? And it's just like I was involved in a, a mass murder in, you know, Alwood about, uh, you know, half an hour from here through the woods. You know, it's a small logging community. We were overrun by goblins and they murdered us all. Oh, shit. You know, and I think. Your players may still ignore that. That's mm-hmm. fine. Plot can run in different directions. You don't have to railroad someone through it. But at the same time, your plot needs to be flexible enough to be able to adapt with where they're going. If you've got a plot story where you're expecting your players to go rescue the princess and they 100% avoid rescuing the princess every time, that's their choice. Mm-hmm. That's the story they're trying to follow. If you're getting to a point where your your exposition of your story uh, to your players isn't painting a picture they want to see, maybe there's a discussion that needs to be had there. Or yeah, maybe, maybe you need to change change the story, or maybe you're being too vague. Yeah, you know, um, if, if there's a guy who wants to bring the world together and make you know try and create world peace by getting all of the dictators at least on his side and seeing the way he needs to need, needs to be seen. Paint that picture. I mean, mm-hmm. honestly, the guy's going to be pretty honest with whoever he needs to go out there and do that to be his advisors. He's not going to be all cryptic and be like, I need the five pieces of the gauntlet. You know, what does that mean? I, I need this and this and this. It's like, well, OK, that doesn't make a lot of sense. But if he literally says, because in the early days of our society, the person who wore the full sword of armor was known as the emperor and that is the image that our people hold. And it was given individually to all these different nation states. Mm. Now there's a thought there of, okay, I'm asking for these pieces, but what can we do to help them? Now you have these stories, these individual plot lines. By the way, that was one of my plots. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I recognized it. And that's the thing is that if your players can recognize it by that, they can go and do whatever they need to to make that plot happen. So exposition is not always your best tool, but at the same time – Railroading is painful for everybody. Uh, so what I'll add to this is um, this is reason number one why I ask for character backgrounds uh, because uh, a lot of storytelling is about creating the illusion of free will. You want to make your characters or make your players think that they have the choice to do literally anything. Yep. But putting attractive choices in front of them so that they can um, – so that they feel that they've made that choice on their own. Uh, so what I'm getting at basically is that uh, – so I ask you for a character history. You hand one to me that says you grew up in this small village and uh, you know the village was burned down and these other weird events happened around you and stuff like that. Well, OK. I can either take that and go, neat, 
you're an adventurer now go save a princess yep or you've handed me the name of a village you've named uh, you've uh, named a possibly a person who burned it down if you didn't name that person i sure as hell will oh yeah um i may tie that into an existing plot uh the weird stuff that happened that made you sprout your powers spontaneously oh we're coming up with a with a reason for that and that's also going to be in the plot so when we're going along and i mention that the next village up the road should be uh you know this village but it's the one that's been burned down now you are sitting there at my table going, oh, that's my old village. Yep. I want to go there. Right. Well, no, I didn't say you needed to go to the village. I didn't have an NPC show up and go, oh, you should check out this village. It was yep. burned up. I said, there's this village and you recognized it because you wrote it. It's involved yep. with your character and you decided you wanted to go visit there. Yep. So obviously I've written plot for that because it's a big old trap. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know. That's that sounds like it's your idea when it yep. goes through your head. So mostly it's a uh, for me the answer to this is listen to your players. They will tell you what they want, and then you can put it in the story. And you don't ever have to have anybody tell them explicitly this is a thing you should go do. Right. They'll look at the thing that they want, say that's a thing that I've always wanted, and they'll go for it. There you go. Mm-hmm. It's it, it's a lot like little kids. Yep. They they want ice cream. You just got to figure out which one. Yep. All right. I think it's about wrap-up time, huh? Hit us some music there, Kate. Right on. So next week's topic, we're going to continue on with world building onto geography. And, no, uh, no, no, no. Well, We're right. doing the other half of... Oh, that's right. Yeah, we're doing the other half of what makes your story unique. That's right. So yeah. now that we've beaten gods into the ground... Yes. <laughs> You can find us on Twitter at st underscore conclave or Instagram at st underscore conclave or on Discord. You can find our uh, link in our Twitter uh, or in the episode description. You can also find us on all of your lovely podcasting uh, play uh, playlists now. Uh, we're pretty much syndicated everywhere, I think. We'd like to thank our patron member, Knox, Knox in the Box, who has done a great job of supporting us, along with our other patron members. We love you as well. Our intro music is Beyond the Warriors by Gooey Frog, and what you're listening to right now is Only in Our Footprints in the Sand by Midair Machine, both found at freemusicarchive.org. We record every week uh, at Podcast Detroit. You can find them online at podcastdetroit.com, on Twitter at podcastdetroit. Big special shout out to uh, to our sound engineer, Kate. We what, love what? you. Thank you very much. And our families, Vicki, Sean, all of our friends uh, who have gained with us throughout the years, and especially you, our listeners. Thank you. We love you. Good night. Good night, everybody.